Halfway there. You either got less hair or more coming out everywhere. Getting more deaf, worrying about death. All the tires you got are spare. Unexplained coffin while choosing your coffin. Getting some laughs in and choking on taffy. Squeaking more than a dolphin. Rubbing at the kids, surling undies with skids. Wondering if we fuck it up, can we still make the mic drop? Genexing, texting, vexing, exiting. But not yet, not yet. We're just halfway there. Halfway there. Hi, I'm Kim Gaynor. Hello, I'm Camilo Fantasia. Well, hello, I'm Jenny Tare, and this is Halfway There, a podcast about the new middle age. So <laughs> new that I forgot the tag because I'm actually losing my memory. Um, it's, it's heading into morning. the next chapter. Morning what? energy. Today That's is right. morning. It's our first morning record. I definitely had a brain fart where I was like, why are we here? Oh, right. It's a podcast about the new middle age. <laughs> I have my coffee. Jen has her coffee. Kim, we'll where's your coffee? I have absolutely no beverage. It's so strange. Oh, um, oh, I do have some like volcanic water from Finland somewhere. We get all the strangest products here. Like, you know, nothing's from the U.S. Kim. I have face you're not supposed to be drinking bottled water from across the globe. It's the, the most environmentally irresponsible thing you could do. I move, aside from moving to a remote island, um, that might be <laughs> that might be one of the envir most environmentally unfriendly things I could do. That's just kind of the nature of living here. Everything is imported, mm. unfortunately. Yeah. I try. I, I do have a reusable water bottle, but also the water here. Um, Barbados don't come for me. It's totally potable, but yeah, it's the taste to me is very strong. I have a question. Do they grow like what is actually native to the island in terms of fruits and veggies? I mean, things are things are grown here. There are farms. Yeah. There, there. I mean, there used to be plantations with slaves, but um, so we don't have that anymore. So, um, but that doesn't Progress. mean that there, <laughs> that there can't be agriculture here oh god i gotta warm up my my face i got that morning can't talk syndrome. <laughs> um yeah it used to be sugar cane and you know from the sugar cane yeah. came rum um and all kinds of things but i mean some of the things that you can find here that are local are melons spinach mm -hmm. um tomatoes like things that like people grow in their small gardens I feel yeah. but um, a lot of things unfortunately and I hope that that can change and there are some local farmers organic farmers who are trying to like build sustainable agriculture here but but right now it, it's it's kind of slim pickings and of course along with that is things are very expensive yeah because they're all it's all imported yeah yeah. Also, I guess there's still supply chain issues just worldwide in terms of it's a globalized world. So we get things, you know, one country makes one part, another country makes another part. They all get assembled in this one place. But there's, of course, massive delays and, you know, various countries are still shutting down or opening up and shutting down. And I saw somebody on Twitter say that they were planning on buying their Christmas presents now. Oh, wow. Smart. Yeah, like a neurotic dad type. I think I advise you to buy your Christmas presents. Shut up. 
Get your kid game Can we do all? Okay, but some people <laughs> some people buy their Christmas presents the day after Christmas because everything is on sale. That's smart. Can we go like Little House on the Prairie this year and just make all of our gifts? Doesn't that sound nice? It's well, little... nice in theory. You mean Wooden like a horse, like little whittled dolls with corn husk dresses or something? Doesn't that sound just quaint and beautiful? Or my favorite, non- like an index card that says, This is valid for one massage. Or, oh yeah, I used to give, uh, there was a couple of years I gave those to my mom. Uh, this is valid for 10 hugs, redeemable for 10 hugs and seven chores. <laughs> Ever you know when you get those things though, you're like, fuck. As an adult, right? Yeah. 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 And even as a kid. Or a lottery ticket. But like, I'm just holding out for that one story where someone gave a useless lottery ticket because they're a terrible friend and that person wins Powerball, like $365 million or some mm-hmm. shit like that. And, um, and they refuse to share. The share, yeah. Because it's a freaking gift. That's the I thing. That. If you gave, yeah, if you gave a lottery ticket to somebody and they won, would you have the expectation that they'd hand over at least some spare change? Yes. I feel like yeah. <laughs> I would it's just that. such a slap in the face. If they Can you imagine? You, would but, but I would... you, you were the shitty friend that gave the lottery ticket. Let me bring it I, back to I, that. This, this is what I want. This is all I want. Like you buy a house on the lake and you have a boat and you invite me on the reg. That's the dream. Because you don't have to own the house on the lake and you don't have to own the boat. You just get to go on it. I would want like a lavish trip. I would be, I would want the money. I would be so pissed. (laughs) How much much money do you think is fair? Okay, say they won one of those like ginormous Powerball jackpots. um, A hundred million. Yeah, a hundred million. What would you expect, Jen? You know what I think would be classy? I'll say this. Even if... It's kind of a stingy, I like the idea that there's a, there's a, a, like a secret Santa, but it's called stingy Santa. And it's like, everybody goes super cheap, but I think buying the person like a house would be really nice. Oh man, that's a lot. That is a lot. Yes. Houses are real expensive. You have a hundred million dollars. What are you, a Coke brother? (laughs) (laughs) First of all, know. you don't, I don't have. I wouldn't expect. So are we saying it's a two hundred million dollar prize, so you end up with a hundred million? Are we saying that it's a hundred million that then becomes fifty million after taxes? That's, no, let's say a hundred million after whatever okay. taxes, lump sum payout, or whatever. Okay. A three hundred k house out of your one hundred million—that is nothing. This I just, is this is what you do. You buy yourself a mega estate. And then you have like the little cottage on the grounds and you give it to Jen. That's- you can live in one of my cottages too. <laughs> oh God, along with a tiny little pony. <laughs> <laughs> you have to tend to the ponies though. That's the, <laughs> you, you, you have to tend to the miniature horses. Yeah. It's like um, Marie Antoinette's little um, cottage house that I, I saw in, in France where she's oh. dressed up like a, you know, country person and her little Bo Peep outfits yes. and like drink clotted cream and like, oh, isn't this quaint? And, and she had her lovers there dressed as shepherds. Yeah, yeah. 
Okay, uh, well, I would take that, that sound nice? cottage. Yes, <laughs> like I, I, it would be definitely abject humiliation, but I'll do it. Okay. You have to. Do you have to dress like in little Bo Peep outfits though? Okay. Do it. For for my entertainment. Yeah. Powder powder, powder blue, like little pantaloons. Okay. It has to be like one of those historical recreation sites. When Kim comes along, you have to be working the loom or iron smithing or something like that. That will be quite a switch. Instead of going to Colonial Williamsburg, where and then seeing all the slaves, you know, reenact everyday life. I'm going to have a real life white person <laughs> dress like little Bo Peep. I'll, I'll volunteer. I love, okay. I love this concept. Okay. It's, as long as I can take my pantaloons off at the end of the night. <laughs> and of if course. I can ride the pony. Okay, yes, I'll but, do it. But you can only get wasted on grog at the end of the day. That grog and mead. <laughs> have you ever had mead? It's not good. That's like I the don't think I've had couscous, right? What's that? I said that's like the original couscous, right? <laughs> no, it's, a, it's booze. It's like oh, it's, it's I think booze. it's made from honey. Yeah, it's Is very it's too sweet. Oh God, no, I've never it's... had mead. Well, I'm then sure you need to get yourself food. back to Colonial Williamsburg and try some mead. Oh well, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that there's like you know the whole Ren Fair kind of culture where people dress mm -hmm. like giant blouses and yes. you know, fairy hair and all of that I wish I was yeah. one of those people that liked cosplaying but I'm just not I me too you know there's an astounding Ren fair here the grounds are year-round the Ren fair isn't running year-round but the structures are year-round so there are all these structures various stages and buildings so it's not immovable Ren fair so wow. when it actually happens, it's a big deal. Jim and I went and people are very into it. Are they? Very into it, yeah. But it's cool because you do sort of feel like you're in a shambolic medieval town. How do they talk when they approach you and ask you if you want like a candy cane or, you know, a candy apple? Are they like, oh, sorry? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. <laughs> They're all like, hello, have the old turkey leg. Um, <laughs> That's exactly right. Although they say that old timey, I think we learned this in college, Kim, that old timey English would have sounded a lot like American before yeah. the Queen's English came into play. I've seen some some videos to that effect um, around Shakespeare and what did Shakespeare sound like in its original time in the old globe. And it was like, oh, like, you know, Americans, like, Wow. <laughs> tomorrow Sorry. and tomorrow and tomorrow, keeping this petty pace like from day to day. Yeah, just like. Oh, you mean with like the up, the up, uh, the up. Yeah, energy. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to be or not to be? That is the question. <laughs> um, all right, we have to move into our segments because we are keeping a strict schedule. Oh. Aren't we? I believe so, I go first, the future, yeah? No, the future oh. goes last. The future's yeah. later. Oh, yeah. the future's last, that's you guys. That's the way to remember it. The future comes, right. you know, like after the other things. That's. I'm firing, I'm hot today, firing on all the <laughs> Must be my pantaloons. <laughs> They're suffocating your yeah, thighs. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, all that mead I drank last night. Um, okay. <laughs> okay. So I think we're going to hear about the kids. What are the cool kids up to? What music do they like? Where do they go at night? Are they watching sexy Netflix shows or anime or both? Cool, cool kids like really cool kids. We want to know what you're up to. Ah, oh, as if. Yeah. Yeah, guys. Um, so I wanted to talk about what the kids are up to in regards to their sexualities. <gasps> Did this, you know? On this family-friendly podcast? Oh, exactly. I don't think there could be a more family-friendly topic, okay? Um, everybody has a sexuality, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. All your family. So Gen Z is the queerest generation ever or they're at least identifying and coming out as the queerest generation ever. Um, Washington Post article that I read um, was talking about a Gallup poll that was released earlier this year. Um, And one in six Gen Z adults, so that is not even talking about the younger part of the generation, that would be everybody from 18 to 23, that's 15.9% of them um, identified as LGBT. That's a huge increase from any other generation. They are coming out earlier. They are sexually fluid. And, and that the way that that compares to earlier generations, so 15.9% of Gen Z identify as LGBT. Um, a couple of these articles, I really wish they'd put the Q because I feel like Gen Z more than any other generation uses that Q as a question, as a catch-all. So Q is for questioning or just queer, just straight up queer, which is could be your own brand of queer, mean you're gay or you're not quite gay or you're bisexual or whatever. So it's I I wish they they had included that, but we're gonna include it. So um, millennials. Um, are 9.1% identifying as LGBTQ. And uh, our generation, Gen X, that to remind you is is people born from 1965 to 1980, that plunges down to 3.8%. Wow. Um, So. I'm, I'm shocked. You're shocked? What are you shocked about? All of it. How low that Gen X, uh, how low that Gen X is, but especially how low this uh, Gen Z thing is. I expected more, and they're still in what? college. They're still in 15. college. Nine percent of them are, are identifying as LGBT. That, that's huge. That's, that's not enough people, people. for the That's planned. sixty-eight point million, sixty-eight million people. It's not yeah. enough to take over. Oh, okay. And also um, they're in college. So my question is the gay agenda in full effect here. Well, but is listen, this, as I okay. as I pointed out, this is a very small sampling of Gen Z. So they only polled the adults. Uh, Gen Z um, you know, is from six, six to twenty-four. So these kids are coming out, some of them at eleven years old. They didn't poll those. So 15.9% is a huge number because it's only looking at that 18 to 23 age group. Yeah. There, there are more. So that's the that's thing, crazy. though. For, for me, like if I think about 
you know, say all of my lesbian experimenting women friends in college, I feel like the percentage of queer, queer identifying would have been much, much higher than 3%. But then once they left college, they, they majorly went on to settle with opposite gender identifying. Well, you just made, you just made the point I would make, which is, okay, what we do in college doesn't necessarily stick. And at least in our generation, everybody knew, I I can think of so many couples, like especially lesbian couples um, throughout college where both of them, both of, both of them, or maybe one of them went on to marry an opposite sex partner. That's the way it goes. But Gen Z is not, it's not for them. It's not this, oh, we're experimenting and we're going to be straight and like fall in line later on. They're coming out earlier and they, um, there, there are fewer barriers to them being able to do that. And, you know, I think that's really positive. So um, let's look at some of the other statistics with the Gen Zers. 72% of those uh, in Gen Z that identify as LGBTQ identify as bisexual. So everybody is freaking bisexual. So that's, that's 72% of those that do identify as LB, LGBTQ, which makes sense. Um, and compared to millennials, only half of LGBT um, people identified as bisexual. And, and when I think about this, I really, that makes sense to me because the there's so much denial um, and negating of bisexual identities. I think when I was coming up and maybe the millennials as well, apparently that that might be something that they contend with as well. I mean, people felt very, um, very, very comfortable in saying, oh, you know, being bisexual is just like a stop along the way to, to Gayville. Gen Z doesn't do that. Um, for them, you know, the idea of fluidity and, and being able to go between um, all genders and being pansexual and just being generally queer is just a lot more acceptable to them. Um, so yeah. Um, and, and as far as how this pans out for like the society as at, at large, um, according to the Gallup poll, 5.6% of us adults say they are LGBTQ, which might seem kind of low, Camilo, but this is the highest figure since the polling began. Um, the last time they asked people, 4.5% of respondents um, um, said that they were LGBTQ. And then before that, in like 2012, it was like three point something. So we're getting, we're all getting like queerer and queerer. And I think probably Gen Z is pushing the leading edge on that. Interesting. I'd, I'd love to see also like a breakdown by uh, like male presenting bodies and female presenting bodies, like how, you know, what percentage for each. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, the data got, you know, very complicated um, because when it started to break this down, um, 
partially because um, it's talking about queer identities, it's talking about gay identities, talking about trans identities, but then there's also trans bi identities, right? So it, there, there's some kind of, there, there's a lot of complexity in like sorting through the data um, because you can be, you can be trans and, um, you know, sex, be a sexually attracted to the opposite gender that you identify with, or you could be bi, or you could be, you know, attracted to the same gender. It's very complicated. In, in any case, I don't think that Gen Z frets over this nearly as much as our generation did, or even um, uh, millennials. Um, like there's a lot of Gen Z celebrities, some of them that we talk about a lot, like Lil Nas X have come out, you know, early, you know, um, Lil Nas X came out when he was 20, 22. Um, Jojo, do you guys know who Jojo Siwa is? She used to be on Dance Moms and she has this sort of very poppy kind of wanting to be David Bowie-esque. And she, her ponytail is pulled back the so tight. A I pony. fear, I fear a lot. skin. He, there's a lot of discussion about her hairline receding, poor, poor thing. But I mean, oh really? I think, yeah, because she's got her ponytail pulled too tight. I think and she just Demi Lovato is a they them yeah. now. Two but of the I Smith guess. kids, Jaden Smith and Willow Smith. Jaden Smith is 23. He came out as having a boyfriend. I don't think he has identified his sexuality, but he's obviously a queer. I think we say Willow Smith came out as bi and polyamorous. She's 20, she's a Gen Zer. Like, it's just ain't nothing but a thing for them. Rebecca Black, she's a Gen Zer, you know, one of my faves. Right. Um, I wonder, and also, <clears throat> I wonder how this breaks down by socioeconomic classes, because obviously, I think the numbers that are reported are still very low, because there's, you know, there's stigma amongst oh, socio so lower socioeconomic classes and some, um, status and privilege, I think, has a lot to, to do with the freedom to to, uh, you know, to identify as something other than vanilla straight. Sorry. Sorry, Jen. Um, also, conservatives, <laughs> conservatives would also argue that this is an example of social contagion. And that, <laughs> that's right. They would. They would. That's, they, they do. They do. That's that's one of their big, you know, talking points about it is that this is not actually real. It's just simply like the byproduct of a decadent society, and that this is, you know, it will fade. And also more more to the point that these are people who are trying to ape a certain type of like identity because they think it's cool and I mean, times change. I don't agree with that wholly. I think there's probably a sliver of truth in it to an extent. I don't know. What do you guys think? I'd be curious. I, I think conservatives are like famously myopic, don't really care about history or really take that into account when they're making these sweeping statements and generally pretty dim-witted. I mean, if in the 80s, it was like everybody's Satanists and like all oh, your kids are doing blood rituals and now oh they're all queer and it's and it's catching I mean I'm I'm sorry I just really can't entertain that too much I, mean, I, what, yeah. I, I think I have like it, I understand because there's sort of like a non-causal historical precedent if you look at the 
you know, the fall and decline of the Roman Empire. Yes, there was like a lot more fluidity. There was a lot more money uh, floating around. There was a lot more fluidity and sexuality, I think, and sort of the concept of the orgy and all of that. Yeah. Um, so you could look at that and say, oh, yeah, like the fall of an empire aligns with the rise of yeah, but perverted. Also, I, oh, but I'm saying it's not a causal relationship. It's just that there was more because there was so much wealth, there was just an enjoyment. That's also a very Western perspective. There are, yeah. whole, there are whole cultures in Africa where, uh, you know, a kind of third sex arrangement is possible in Polynesia, in, in many Native American cultures. So, I mean, we need to also just bring this away from everything is, is um, Western in, yes. in a that's not the truth. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not agreeing with conservatives by any means. I'm just saying that they are able to look at this and just sort of twist it to their, yeah. to their agenda. You can take historical precedent. I mean, yeah. to continue in the Western civilization vein, Weimar was famously like right. had a, a, a pronounced queer streak. And that wasn't a society that was by any means flourishing sure. economically. True. At that point, it was in Maybe fact, chaos, the chaos and sort of the lack of control from the government allows people to be what they want to be, maybe. Yeah, another. it's very interesting. I mean, it's interesting. I think post 9-11 was also highly, uh, highly um, decadent in New York City because there was just sort of like an attitude from the city is we're not going to regulate bars. Really, we're not going to crack down. And it was just mayhem. And at least in the gay bars, it's just people took their clothes off left and right and did whatever they wanted. I mean, in a way, this it was like- true. An, it I was, was there for some of it. Yes, this was like an incredible time. I mean, 9-11 is not incredible. It's awful. But it created I, this weird space afterward where people were like, it's an end of the world attitude. And it's like that rave in the Matrix, the horrible third Matrix movie, you know? <laughs> I think this summer has had element streaks of like real, real kind of hedon hedonism. Yes. Um, in the midst of a you know ongoing plague there is there is real like desire to to want to let it go you know let it all hang out when i get to my segment i'm going to talk a little and bit touch about people and yeah. touch people yeah exactly yeah. and uh so you know in a sense but but there's also well we've talked about this how there's also uh kim we don't have time to go into it but maybe somebody else can cover this another time how it's also the rise of asexuality right now that depression and anxiety among the younger generations are actually are increasing the number of people yeah. who just have no interest in in having physical sex with anyone at all. So, um, yeah, this is a really fascinating topic, and as usual, we could talk about it all day. But we are st sticking to our schedule, aren't we? Yes, we mm. are. So, spoken, spoken like a true straight man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the worst part about the pandemic is that I have had to wear a mask. And I'm against mask mandates because I can't breathe my gay germs under people. Mm, yeah. <laughs> it was working so well before. Yeah. Oh, I just want to be pretty. Give me your potions, give me your serums, give me your unwinds. But that must work out, baby. Oh, no, I can't. I just want to be pretty. All right. So I want to talk to you about health and beauty. Thank God. Keep young yes. and beautiful if you want to be loved. If you want to be loved. So in this case, I want to talk to you about <laughs> a treatment 
quote unquote breakthrough that looks more more like a medieval torture device. And this is a metal. Um, do you remember the old timey braces? I wore them. They were like metal rings that went around each one of your teeth and then a wire connected them. And anytime you went in to the, to the orthodontist, they would literally tighten that wire to the point where it was just excruciatingly painful. And you could only like have soup for three days in a row because it hurt too much to chew anything. So that your teeth are beautiful now. Look I at was those. going to say pearly, pearly. I never knew you braces. That's so oh. adorable. Oh my god! I had my teen years. I had braces <laughs> and giant glasses, Kim. It was not good. And then I had oh, a middle. Man. Then I had a middle part on top of that. I mean, and oh, when you were he so got ahead of your time, yes. When he got hot, dear listener, he was in a gay bar after 9-11, taking all of his clothes off. <laughs> hi, mom. Yeah. Hi, Tina. Hi, Tina. I don't think I ever went in so far as to getting on the bar, taking all my clothes off, even though I was not a go-go dancer and was not getting paid for it. But many people did. Small details. Yes. Yeah. So let's get back. Let's get back to this dental procedure, <laughs> which involves... Uh, enveloping one upper tooth and one lower tooth in one in a said metal range, and then applying powerful magnets to them so that you can only open your mouth a few millimeters and thus only ingest liquids. <laughs> this, my friends, is a new weight loss fad that has rabid adherence. They say it's horrible. It's absolute <laughs> torture. They hate every minute of it but they love the weight loss. So wow. look, we know that people are willing to go to great lengths if they feel like they need to lose weight, which in this day and age is not as much. I, I, we discussed this before. Like there's, it's okay to not lose weight, but it's still not okay. It's very conflicting information out there. So <laughs> so what, what do you think of this methodology? I mean, it's to me, it sounds akin of putting you in an Iron Maiden, you know? And you'll lose weight that way too. I'm expecting my delivery on Monday. Okay. <laughs> it's like a it's like a chastity belt for your face. It's mm, a really good analogy. Yeah. I'm, I'm kidding. I don't like it. I think that's horrible. Like <laughs> I mean, chastity belts are also horrible. <laughs> oh no, I have one of those. Oh. Yeah. It's okay. it's it's the uh, you know, it's the fashion accessory of fall, you guys. So get it. <laughs> Is it like panties that are so ugly that anybody who sees them will be just? I just call them my quote chastity belt. Yeah, your grandma, like lacy. Well, lacy is good, isn't it? And yeah, it's they have to be like giant, dirty granny panties <laughs> that are like coming up to yeah, but yeah. well, like right dirty boots. but dirty, you know? So. Yeah, and oh. dirty. Yeah. Not like dirty, just has some faint yellow stains of unclear origin. Exactly. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, this is insane. It's it's insane. It's like basically metal anorexia. I mean, it's nuts. But... <laughs> Doesn't it also sound like the kind of thing where once you took it off, you just want to eat everything in the world and you'd gain all the weight back? I, yeah. Because uh, you've been so deprived of every delicious thing. And the other thing is you're only supposed to ingest 1,200 calories in liquids a day, but 
my God, if you go to Smoothie King, you can ingest 4,000 calories with two smoothies easy. <laughs> I would you love know, if somebody I, was wearing this, but still gaining weight. Yes. Oh, God. <laughs> You know, peanut butter, you know. <laughs> peanut butter milkshakes every day. I'd be yeah. that person. I'd be the person that would find a way. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've always loved all these smoothie establishments that, you know, under the pretense of being healthy are feeding you like, you know, steady stream of basically sucrose. Yeah. Like <laughs> yes. I mean, I, I bet there is a segment of people that do develop probably pretty hardcore eating disorders out of this, I would imagine, like who become obsessed with calorie intake. And I, 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 I wonder what their liability waiver is. It must be insane. I mean, they, they, the legal ramifications of, of potentially this being so dangerous and harmful seem pretty, pretty real. Uh, yeah, I completely Sign agree. Sign it up in the disclaimer. Yeah. I don't yeah. quite understand how it works. It also, it's, is it when, when you're starting to feel hu hungry, do you activate the magnets or are you walking around all day going, hi, this is Camila. This is the, you have to talk like this all day because I can't move my teeth. Yeah, do you, do you, can you talk with it, with it on? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I wonder I, if they have video. Oh, how people use that's a really good question. Yeah, like I wonder what they're coming. Well, I, I can talk. <laughs> I do like this. I can talk like it. It's like not <laughs> really sounding. Okay, Elizabeth from Theranos. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what oh my god, I went down a total like, Theranos rabbit hole. By the way, maybe we. Yeah. And Elizabeth episode. Holmes rabbit hole. She would be a really funny, yes. she would be a yes. very funny Halloween costume. All you would need would be like a, a, a wig. So good. A, a turtleneck. Turtleneck. Yeah. Maybe a little vial of blood. Um, I wonder, okay. I have a question. Or, or, or one of those machines, just the cookier, the better. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Like a little like iPod looking thing. You could just go up to somebody and be like, can I get a sample? <laughs> um, what did you guys think of, of gastric bypass surgery where they like go in and it's an invasive surgery. They, they make your stomach smaller. I know someone who died from it actually. Oh really? Yeah. Um, I know they're I, watching videos of when, it. It's when did highly they unpleasant. She, so this was a friend of mine, a director I knew. Her sister got it. Her sister had been morbidly obese her whole life, really wanted to get it. Um, got the surgery and three days upon getting home, dot died. It can be very dangerous. Oh, how long ago? Awful, first of all. Oh, um, how long ago was this? Gosh, it must be about 10 years ago now. I believe if I remember correctly, I think the stitching in her stomach, the lining in her stomach burst and um, so it can be, you know, very, very obviously fatal, but a lot of people say it, you know, changed their lives and they were able to, you know, get control of their weight for the first time. But, but you also you can re-expand your stomach, I understand. So mm -hmm. you need to, it needs to go along with lifestyle changes as well. Yeah. Which is the initial challenge for some people. Other people who may have genetic reasons for being overweight, 
yes. I think, are the right candidates. That's all I know. Um, I, I, I have watched, uh, you know, there's a show with uh, My Big Fat Fabulous Life and the host uh, or the subject of it's a reality show with Whitney Way Thor. And um, she's a fat activist and a body positive activist. And that's been kind of like a recurring theme on the show, whether she's going to get gastric bypass or not. Is that does that change everything she's doing? Does that mean she rejects her body now? If she, um, if she suddenly decides she doesn't want to be fat and she wants to lose the weight. Um, one thing though, they did have a gastric bypass surgeon on, on the show. And um, they said that back in the day, the, that, that um, used to be really, really, dangerous that operation but it's not anymore it's got a really low mortality rate now but back in the day that it, it did um and yeah you once you get that surgery you're you have a tiny tiny little stomach and if you overeat you'll get sick um and and i, I guess it's possible to stretch your stomach and kind of undo all of all of the surgery but um I think that for some people, it just might come down to a drastic sort of intervention is necessary um, because, you know, if you're 600 pounds, I don't know if you guys have ever just sat and watched my 600 pound life. Like, I do think I want to be very, I want to be very careful about what I say here, but there is like a fascination there for me. Um, and you can't help but ask, like, how does that happen? But, um, and some of those people need an intervention quickly because they're on the brink of death and yeah. in cases maybe. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I, I, I have, you know, I have a, I have a friend, sorry, briefly. No, go ahead. I, go ahead. I have a friend who is, I wouldn't say terribly overweight, but unhappy with their weight and is an extremely, extremely active person mm -hmm. and just can't lose it so there's definitely there's definitely something out there and the whole concept of sort of associating being overweight with you know being an unhealthy person overall who treats themselves poorly that's definitely gone out the window I think and needs to go out the window for everyone because every case is different and you know it's frustrating to this person that they just that they're so active yeah and they can't lose that extra weight. And it, at some point it's, you know, you need to come to terms with it, that this is just your physical reality. So I think that's what's so great about sort of the pos body positive movement, right? Yeah. For people like that, at least, to just accept a little bit more, because this person is way more fit than I am. I mean, you know, for, um, for any fitness measure, also we have in the dust. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, we should also talk about our food, our food. I mean, yeah, corn sure. syrup and sugar in fucking everything. I read a really interesting article about Nestle in Brazil, that Nestle has made inroads in like the in indigenous rural part of Brazil in the past 10 years. It's, it's launched a massively successful campaign to essentially get them off of their indigenous, you know, like more native diet, more local, what their culture cuisine had been, which is, you know, largely food without preservatives. And they started a campaign to effectively 
get them onto, you know, formula for babies and, and bars of cereals and, and they've been very, very successful at it. They have local salespeople go into rural villages and, um, it's become part of a staple. And of course, what's followed is obesity. That's um, kind of horrific, isn't it? Oh, it's it's a it's a it, it was one of the it was one of those articles you read that just sears into you the depravity of the modern day corporation, just profit at any cost. And I told my brothers about it because we had lived in Brazil. And my one of my brothers, in a kind of gallows humor way, said, "Yeah, all of the wealthy people will be eating the diets that had been they're they're eating diets <laughs> of the indigenous over. people." Yes, and now all of these, all of the poor, you know, more indigenous cultures are eating this highly processed, highly refined food. And it, there is something just very, very dark about that, isn't there? So anyway, I'll find the article and we can put it in the show notes. It was one of the, it's from like five years ago, but I remember reading it and just thinking, this is absolutely yeah. psychopathic. Um, we keep it, we keep it cheerful. Speaking of the people of Brazil, despite having an absolute tyrant who's done everything to keep vaccines from them, everybody in, in Brazil wants to get vaccinated. Yeah, Pretty it's cool. amazing. And everybody's just rushing to get the vaccine, which is incredible. Bravo. Yeah. yeah. Put us to shame. Yeah, it's really interesting. It, even with his, um, you're right, even with his madness, they just don't care. I heard their vaccination rates were really, really, really high. Yeah. Viva Brasil. Yeah. All well, right. Well, thanks for your your input. Um, I think now on to the future. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, I'm not going to buy the tooth thing. I think you've talked me out of it. I'm still on the fence. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I have the pandemic pounds, and uh, they've been pretty hard to get rid of. So it's time to go to extreme measures. Next podcast, I'll be talking tooth. <laughs> In 30 years, stuff will be different. How different? We don't know. But we'll speculate for the show. Come along for the ride. Guys, since I'm on a college campus and this weekend we have had all of the students come back. Mmm. A line of sedans. Yeah, it's very cute. With, you know, uh, boxes filled with Bed Bath & Beyond and... Um, faring back and forth last night right outside our window they were throwing a dance party with abisa like techno music can i just say that's what's keeping bed bath and beyond in business okay i wondered how yeah 100 yeah yep. every college freshman needs new towels and uh scented candles um so yes right outside our window there was a dance party and then Luckily, they moved away because I think they know that the olds live right here. We're in a dorm. We live in student housing. So when I took my dog out last night, they'd moved the party over to another area, but I still heard them. It sounded like a giant rave, and they were all singing in unison <laughs> Gaga's Bad Romance. No. Like, oh, amazing. La, oh, la, la. Oh, the <laughs> dog wanted to join the party so badly. She was like pissing and looking in that direction. Uh, I, I'm shook that Gen Z is listening to Bad Romance. They were. They were like, oh, the Bad Romance. It was really funny. And I was like, retro oh, music. Exactly. I was like, it's nine o'clock, kids. Time to wrap it up. So, with that in mind, I found an article in, in the uh, 
Poison Wall Street Journal, Rupert Murdoch's dirty rag, but this was interesting. It's called The Future of Everything. That's the uh, byline, I guess. You only have 15 minutes. Okay, it's, is this the end of college as we know it? And here's the first paragraph. Rachel Wintern earned straight A's in high school, a partial scholarship to college, and then a PhD in clinical psychology. She's now 33 years old, lives in Tampa, earns 94,000 a year as a psychologist and says her education wasn't worth the cost. She carries $300,000 in student debt. Dr. Wintern's 37-year-old husband worked in a warehouse for several years before becoming an apprentice electrician. He expects to earn comparable money when he's finished minus the debt. When and if they have children, Dr. Wintern says her advice will be to follow her husband's path and avoid a four-year degree. Quote, I just don't see the value in a lot of what I studied, she says. Unless they have a really specific degree in mind, we'd both prefer they take a more pragmatic, less expensive route. And then it goes down to this kind of amazing statistic, um, specifically about millennials. Millennials are the most educated generation in the nation's history, but they are broke compared with their predecessors. So... Would they direct their children to take the same same path? Quote, they probably won't, says John Thielen, a historian of higher education and professor at the University of Kentucky. And then this is interesting. I'd be curious to get your guys' take on this, maybe because it's in the Wall Street Journal, but I'm going to read it. Faith in the four-year degree traces back to the 1960s when civil rights activists pushed for everyone to attend college and become a professional. Instead of steering students towards a pragmatic, though often racist and classist, two-track system in which some high school graduates headed to college and others became apprentices in a trade, the nation set a course for something more aspirational, college for all. But those gains came at a price for every high school student who graduates college and finds a job that leverages her degree for fall short. They either never enroll in college, drop out, or graduate and wind up underemployed, says Orrin Cass, executive director of American Compass, a conservative think tank, FYI. About half take on debt they come to regret, according to surveys. For millennials, college or bust created winners at out of about 20% of the country's students. A bust for the rest, Mr. Cass says. So I'm curious, what what's your guys' take? Because there's a lot there. I, there is a lot there. Um, my initial reaction, I'd love to look at some of those statistics about um, you know, the civil rights generation pushing for, for Black kids in particular to go to college. I mean, that was, it was very uncommon common for like the average uh, American, let alone black American to have a college degree. So it would make sense that people would think that that would give, um, you know, students a leg up. I think what they didn't really plan on was the, the, the enduring nature of racism, um, you know, regardless of your education. And what I say is like, I, I have always wondered why we've all been told to take on this debt to to you know go to increasingly more expensive schools to care about like prestige and then graduate with all of this debt that you can't pay back in years and years there is a very robust 
community college system in this country. You can go to community college for free or low cost and transfer to a state college, a local school, and have, have an education. You know, 100%. I think that's what we need to be telling American kids um, that the, the point of it is to have an education and usable skills. And if you're, if you're graduating with all of this debt and in an industry where you're underemployed, um, you're just, you know, it's pointless. And uh, so, I mean, those are my thoughts. Like, stop yeah. pushing kids to go to Harvard, you know? Yeah. I think you have Not a really, that, really, those- really good point. And yeah. I also, I also worry, you know, I, I find it interesting that this is in the poisonous Wall Street Journal, as it, as it will be known. <laughs> um, yeah. And with conservative commentators, because in a sense, it's kind of in their interest to push people away from these liberal bastions that colleges are where so socialist thinking, even yeah. communist, dare we say Nazi, you know, left-wing Nazism is instilled in people. Yeah. So on, on the contrary, I, th- I 100% agree with Kim that people need to go to these places where thoughts are exchanged and people are presented with differing views. And I think that trade schools should also offer liberal thinking courses, not just practical skills, not difficult science classes or you know anthropology if they don't want to do that, but just be exposed to critical thinking skills, which is what you need to acquire in college. Yeah. So that so that you don't have people running around thinking that vaccines are fake or there's chips in them, you know? Yes, a subset of the population will always be like that. But but yeah, I find it interesting that this is in the in the Wall Street Journal and they've sort of unearthed these people who are like, we're not sending our kids to college. It's not worth it. No, but there was something, there's been a lot of, that's true. This is a particular article in the Wall Street Journal, but there is press in other places that also is grappling with the kind of um, cost benefit analysis of college when you're leaving with these incredible amounts of debt. And also I'll say being on a college campus and listening to the students, like it comes up, they talk about it. They know they're very aware of the debt and it kind of, it, it, it sours their experience here and it turns them into like angry consumers. It also perverts the relationship they have with their professors who they see as kind of glorified baristas. You know, it's like this, the, the professors have to do surveys, um, which is, it's, it makes the relationship between student and, and professors really transactional and it turns it into just another consumer good. And that's customer service job. Yes, it's a drag for the people teaching and it's a drag for the students. So, and I've seen that like just personally observing the interactions, how they talk, you know, having conversations with them. They're, they're good people. It's, it's not that they're not spoiled or entitled. I mean, some of them are, but you know, the vast majority aren't. And, and there's a real feeling that they feel like they're being fucking ripped off. Yeah. And unless you get into these gatekeeping institutions and even them, I think it's sort of poisoned like Harvard, Yale, you know, my my own view of like the Ivy League has really shifted in the past couple of years. You know, I I think of them as being pretty corrupt. I'm like an institution that allows for Jared Kushner to be one of their students, takes a big check from his developer father, felon, ex-felon dad. You know, I mean, who really believes that Jared Kushner earned his way into Harvard? 
and no, MIT okay. taking money from Jeffrey Epstein. Yeah, I mean, these it's, institutions have proved themselves to be somewhat unworthy of respect. So it's interesting, my own kind of view of them has really shifted. And I think that's a terrible thing. Scholarship is like the bedrock of, of you know, it should, be, it should be the one fucking place that's not just another market commodity. And it, we just ruined that. I do think that, I do think that it's, it's sort of the colleges in the middle where you really get screwed. Because if you yeah. go to an Ivy League, you pay that money not for the education. You pay it for the connections you're going to make. Mm-hmm. And you, you know, do get example, a return on that. You yeah, do. You are yeah. likely to, you're, at least you're much more likely to say, yes. if you went to Yale graduate school for theater, you're kind of set, right? No. Mm-mm. No? Okay, no. tell me, tell, give me the I know many the underbelly. Graduate. There, you, there, we know about the shining examples who have these massive careers, but there are many people who have n- normal kind of work day. They're, they're either journeyman actors, which is great, or they're teaching. Uh, also, that is a degree with, with each passing year has diminishing returns. And that's, that's the kind of harsh truth. In fact, one of the people, Kim, you and I did a play with a Yale grad, and she's a Pilates teacher now. She seems to have a nice life. You know, that's not a knock on her. Like not everybody needs to, to have a, be Meryl Streep to have a decent, happy, healthy life, but it's not a guarantee. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, I think that's definitely true. I can think of some, some similar examples. Yeah. I will tell you the university, of, <clears throat> what's going on with it? The university of Michigan is definitely not a guarantee. <laughs> yeah. Definitely not. But it's a great school. Yeah, it was, it, it was okay. I think I think the key is to get an affordable, good education. Let's yeah. let's I mean, reading all these people saying, oh, I'll just tell my kids not to get educated because it's too expensive. I mean, really, that's that's a solution you came up with. And I, I mean, I think it, and it's also like, okay, you also took a certain path, and I understood. People told you you needed to go to school for this. And then you took on all of this debt. You had no passion or real interest for the line of work you went into. And it did not pay off. Why don't you tell your kids to either go to study a trade that they are interested in or get an education um, that is affordable and, and make a plan to you know, use that in in a in a career that can sustain themselves. Why why does everybody have to be a, a doctor, lawyer, or engineer? I mean, there I mean, yeah. we, we there there there's a broader scope of possibilities there, and I just think it's kind of distasteful reading all of this crap about oh, like I'm gonna tell my kids not to get educated. To me, it's kind of offensive. As, as, as a black American, because regardless of those statistics, I'd, I'd also like to look at them again, but like, you know, everybody in my, my family is college educated yeah. and probably the, you know, generation before as well. And that, that the work and the struggle that that all that that represents is, is huge. So yeah. to hear that it just comes off 
to me is really privileged and kind of gross. I mean, I think there should be a reordering of society just in terms of our value set though, because I don't think it sh- I don't think that a, a dignified life here should require a college degree and not one that costs $300,000. That's my, that's my main issue. And I think totally agree. Europe to a certain extent has a little bit yeah. of a better handle on this. Like it's a tiny, tiny percentage of people that get especially masters or PhDs. I think in Germany, Germany, it's like 0.5%. It's very tiny. And essentially, because college now bachelor's degrees have become more common, effectively more, you know, well-paying jobs or white collar jobs now require a master's degree. You know what I mean? Like, I just don't think, I think in a real way, college, unfortunately, has become another vehicle for class divide. And that also really bothers me, you know, cause like I'm also seeing the interaction on this campus between like people who work in the cafeteria versus like the students. And there's a real palpable sense that, you know, one has value and the other doesn't. And that, that means a complete shift in how we look at what is meaningful in life and getting away from the merit, you know? Yeah. Okay. I, anyway. I completely agree. The future of college, interesting, meaty stuff. <laughs> and back to my pantaloons. <laughs> Get back to this cheap little yeah. bulb. Yeah, that's right. I'll be like, I'll be like, um, you know, uh, shoveling hay, wondering why I got that theater degree. <laughs> like the most theater I've done. <laughs> that's an excellent application of your theater degree, actually. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Little bow peep. Yes. Milking the cows. And looking like you like it. Exactly. Yeah. Does the smile look real? Um, yeah. Uh, well, would, another. Would you enjoy wonderful. working in Colonial, Colonial Williamsburg? Uh, yeah. If especially if I got to wear a bosomy blouse, <laughs> have like IT managers from local defense companies, you know, <laughs> above my neck. Yeah, it would be wonderful. Um, well, this has been fun, you guys. Yeah, totes. This has been fun and extremely educational as always. <laughs> nope. Our number one priority. I, I'm beginning to come around to that statement because it always made me giggle before, but I think you guys, we do bring some educational topics. Despite ourselves, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Check out our band. We need to post a picture of this. We really I took do. a picture. <laughs> we really do look like we're or Kim's backup band. So let me snap it. Oops. Okay, everybody. Say, uh, pretend like you have a thing holding your teeth together. That's the longest I've gone without eating. (laughs) Just that picture. So, hey, everybody, our Facebook page actually has content on it. So please do do that thing where you ask all your friends. Jen, you need to get back on Facebook just for this. You don't need to interact with it at all. All you have to do is tell all your friends to follow our page and then get off Facebook again. That's all you have to do. You tell her that, but then a week later, we'll be bailing her out of jail because (laughs) (laughs) it'll be me like on our interaction. She went into Facebook marketplace, tried to haggle an item. They wouldn't go down in price. She showed up with a gun that she got also on Facebook marketplace. True. Yeah. I'll be, I'll be whittling my time, like having fights in the comment section with some rando I've never met. 
Oh God, I can't do that. <laughs> oh, so yeah, uh, Kim, you have access to it, so you can go up there and um, post your articles, post your thoughts. Yeah, we we should really post like um, real time episodes for our special Patreon uh, members. So they can interact and see what's going on right now. Patreon? What's Patreon, Kim? Patreon is a members-only club oh. for people who want special content from our podcast. You can join at different subscription levels and reap all kinds of rewards and benefits, such as a Keep It Perky t-shirt. Wow. That sounds pretty awesome if i were yeah. not a member of this podcasting trio i would have paused this and gone to patreon.com look for halfway there the podcast and immediately signed up to donate at one of the various levels depending on what you want now there's a chance that if you head to patreon right now it may appear a little unfinished and disorganized but we are working on it and if people donate money to us, what are we going to do? Like buy candy, um, plastic surgery for ourselves, gas yeah, bypass. What, yeah. what are we going to do with that money? Whatever they tell us to. <laughs> it's fine. I trust them. Wonderful. Some suggestions would be to get like a really nice audio setup like Jen has. Yeah. For, for Kim and myself. Um, other things would be to like pay a producer so that like the sound quality is amazing. Yeah, I would love that. Would and love if that. there are any aspiring producers out there, reach out to us. Reach out to us. Yeah, sound designers, sound engineers. Also, what are other reasons we want people to reach out to us? We want their tales of love and sex. Well, we want their problems. sexuality. Yes, we want their problems with love and sex because we want to yeah. solve them. Yeah, yeah, we're here to solve yes we don't want to hear about your fairy tale lives okay like keep that bullshit away from us we're not interested we only want problems yes. because that makes us better <laughs> i'd love to also um i'd be curious too what people's takes are on the queering of the generation like what do they think like mm -hmm. are people more free to just be themselves and what they any feedback on what we talked about whether they think um if they went to college, what they think now, if they had kids, what they would tell them or what they themselves would do. So yeah, any kind of feedback on the episode. And, or, or if they felt like they wanted the um, chastity belt for their mouths, <laughs> uh, you know, would, would they do that? So. Or if they're doing it, if you're currently doing it, please yes, let us please. know. Or any other bizarre self physical, I don't know, transformation procedure that you're doing. We want to know about it. Yes. Whatever Definitely it let us know. Tell a friend about this podcast. That's the okay. The barest, barest minimum you can do is if you haven't already, subscribe on any of many podcasting we're platforms. On we're on all the things now. Okay. We're on your pod boomer, pod system pod daddy we're we're on all the things so just subscribe okay rate five stars that's the other minimum thing you can do mm -hmm. i know the minimum sounds like one star but that's completely unacceptable uh, yeah. please. we won't tolerate I'm only yeah it, i would be very curious about someone giving us four stars yeah. though. That i'm would not curious like, i don't want to know about night. it 
I have okay. no curiosity. I don't even want to think about that. Yeah, that I don't want to think about out. it. Yes. Yeah, that's like the, it's like a really passive aggressive move. Yes. It's like. Totally. Uh, if you okay. leave us four stars, we're going to have the, the halfway there. What are, what's our group of people? The halfway there's, I don't know. We're going to send them after you. The Perkettes. We'll, we'll figure it the out. The Perkettes. Uh, that's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So that's the other bare minimum thing. You can, but the barest minimum is you share this podcast with a friend and tell them that you it's love hilarious. it. It's informative. Mm-hmm. Profound. It's sexual. <laughs> and profoundly sexual. Yes. Yeah. Profoundly yeah. sexy. <laughs> um, wonderful. Well, happy, happy uh, week, everybody. Have a happy, happy week. week. Keep it perky. Keep it perky. Keep it perky. Ciao. This has been Halfway There, but it's also the end. The end of this episode of Halfway There. You get it. <laughs>